Section eleven of Four Weird Tales by Algernon Blackwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Weird Tales by Algernon Blackwood. Sand. Chapter three. For some days Henriot saw little of the man who came from Birmingham, and pushed curiosity to a climax by asking for a compass in the middle of the night. For one thing he was a good deal with his friends upon the other side of Helouan, and for another he slept several nights in the desert. He loved the gigantic peace the desert gave him. The world was forgotten there, and not the world merely, but all memory of it. Everything faded out. The soul turned inwards upon itself. An Arab boy and donkey took out sleeping-bag, food, and water to the Wadi Hof, a desolate gorge about an hour eastward. It winds between cliffs whose summits rise some thousand feet above the sea. It opened suddenly, cut deep, into the swaying world of level plateau and undulating hills. It moves about, too. He never found it in the same place twice, like an arm of the desert that shifted with the changing lights. Here he watched dawns and sunsets, slept through the midday heat, and enjoyed the unearthly colouring that swept day and night across huge horizons. In solitude the desert soaked down into him. At night the jackals cried in the darkness round his cautiously fed campfire, small because wood had to be carried, and in the daytime kites circled overhead to inspect him, and an occasional white vulture flapped across the blue. The weird desolation of this rocky valley, he thought, was like the scenery of the moon. He took no watch with him, and the arrival of the donkey-boy an hour after sunrise came almost from another planet, bringing things of time and common life out of some distant gulf where they had lain forgotten among lost ages. The short hour of twilight brought, too, a bewitchment into the silence that was a little less than comfortable. Full light or darkness he could manage, but this time of half-things made him want to shut his eyes and hide. Its effect stepped over imagination. The mind got lost. He could not understand it. For the cliffs and boulders of discoloured limestone shone then with an inward glow that signalled to the desert with veiled lanterns. The misshapen hills, carved by wind and rain into ominous outlines, stirred and nodded. In the morning light they retired into themselves asleep, but at dusk the tide retreated, they rose from the sea, emerging naked, threatening. They ran together and joined shoulders, the entire army of them, and the glow of their sandy bodies, self-luminous, continued even beneath the stars. Only the moonlight drowned it, for the moonrise over the Mokhtam hills brought a white, grand loveliness that drenched the entire desert. It drew a marvellous sweetness from the sand. It shone across a world as yet unfinished, whereon no life might show itself for ages yet to come. He was alone then upon an empty star before the creation of things that breathed and moved. What impressed him, however, more than everything else was the enormous vitality that rose out of all this apparent death. There was no hint of the melancholy that belongs commonly to flatness. The sadness of wide, monotonous landscape was not here. The endless repetition of sweeping vale and plateau brought infinity with measurable comprehension. He grasped a definite meaning in the phrase, "'World without end,' the desert had no end and no beginning it gave him a sense of eternal peace the silent peace that starfields know instead of subduing the soul with bewilderment it inspired with courage confidence hope through this sand which was the wreck of countless geological ages rushed life that was terrific and uplifting 
too huge to include melancholy too deep to betray itself in movement here was the stillness of eternity behind the spread grey mask of apparent death lay stores of accumulated life ready to break forth at any point in the desert he felt himself absolutely royal and this contrast of life veiling itself in death was a contradiction that somehow intoxicated the desert exhilaration never left him he was never alone a companionship of millions went with him and he felt the desert close as stars are close to one another or grains of sand it was the cumasin the hot wind bringing sand that drove him in with the feeling that these few days and nights had been immeasurable and that he had been away a thousand years he came back with the magic of the desert in his blood hotel life tasteless and insipid by comparison to human impressions thus he was fresh and vividly sensitive his being cleaned and sensitized by pure grandeur felt people for a time at any rate with an uncommon sharpness of receptive judgment he returned to a life somehow mean and meagre resuming insignificance with his dinner jacket out with the sand he had been regal now like a slave he strutted self-conscious and reduced but this imperial standard of the desert stayed a little time beside him its purity focusing judgment like a lens the speck of smaller emotions left it clear at first and as his eye wandered vaguely over the people assembled in the dining-room it was arrested with a vivid shock upon two figures at the little table facing him he had forgotten vance the birmingham man who sought the north at midnight with a pocket-compass he now saw him again with an intuitive discernment entirely fresh before memory brought up her clouding associations some brilliance flashed a light upon him that man henriot thought might have come with me he would have understood and loved it but the thought was really this a moment's reflection spread it rather he belongs somewhere in the desert the desert brought him out here and again hidden swiftly behind it like a movement running below water what does he want with it what is the deeper motive he conceals for there is a deeper motive and it is concealed but it was the woman seated next to him who absorbed his attention really even while this thought flashed and went its way the empty chair was occupied at last unlike his first encounter with the man she looked straight at him their eyes met fully for several seconds there was steady mutual inspection while her penetrating stare intent without being rude passed searchingly all over his face it was disconcerting crumbling his bread he looked equally hard at her unable to turn away determined not to be the first to shift his gaze and when at length she lowered her eyes he felt that many things had happened as in a long period of intimate conversation her mind had judged him through and through questions and answers flashed they were no longer strangers for the rest of dinner though he was careful to avoid direct inspection he was aware that she felt his presence and was secretly speaking with him she asked questions beneath her breath the answers rose with the quickened pulses in his blood moreover she explained richard vance it was this woman's power that shone reflected in the man she was the one who knew the big unusual things vance merely echoed the rush of her vital personality this was the first impression that he got from the most striking curious face he had ever seen in a woman it remained very near to him all through the meal she had moved to his table it seemed she sat beside him their minds certainly knew contact from that moment it is never difficult to credit strangers with the qualities and knowledge that one's self craves for and no doubt henriot's active fancy went busily to work 
but none the less this thing remained and grew that this woman was aware of the hidden things of egypt he had always longed to know there was knowledge and guidance she could impart her soul was searching among ancient things her face brought the desert back into his thoughts and with it came the sand here was the flash the sight of her restored the peace and splendour he had left behind him in his desert camps the rest of course was what his imagination constructed upon this slender basis only not all of it was imagination now henriot knew little enough of women he had no pose of understanding them his experience was of the slightest the love and veneration felt for his own mother had set the entire sex upon the heights his affairs with women if so they may be called had been transient all but those of early youth which having never known the devastating test of fulfilment still remained ideal and superb there was unconscious humour in his attitude from a distance for he regarded women with wonder and respect as puzzles that sweetened but complicated life might even endanger it he was certainly not a marrying man but now as he felt the presence of this woman so deliberately possess him there came over him two clear strong messages each vivid with certainty one was that banal suggestion of familiarity claimed by lovers and the like he had often heard of it i have known that woman before i have met her ages ago somewhere she is strangely familiar to me and the other growing out of it almost have nothing to do with her she will bring you trouble and confusion avoid her and be warned in fact a distinct presentiment yet although henriot dismissed both impressions of having no shred of evidence to justify them the original clear judgment as he studied her extraordinary countenance persisted through all denials the familiarity and the presentiment remained there also remained this other an enormous imaginative leap that she could teach him egypt he watched her carefully in a sense fascinated he could only describe the face as black so dark it was with the darkness of great age elderly was the obvious natural word but elderly described the features only the expression of the face wore centuries nor was it merely the coal-black eyes that betrayed an ancient age-travelled soul behind them the entire presentiment mysteriously conveyed it this woman's heart knew long-forgotten things the thought kept beating up against him there were cheekbones oddly high that made him think involuntarily of the well-advertised pharaoh rameses a square deep jaw and an aquiline nose that gave the final touch of power for the power undeniably was there and while the general effect had a grimness in it there was neither harshness nor any forbidding touch about it there was an implacable sternness in the set of lips and jaw and most curiously of all the eyelids over the steady eyes of black were level as a ruler this level framing made the woman's stare remarkable beyond description henriot thought of an idol carved in stone stone hard and black with eyes that stared across the sand into a world of things non-human very far away forgotten of men the face was finely ugly this strange dark beauty flashed flame about it and as the way ever was with him henriot next fell to constructing the possible lives of herself and her companion though without much success imagination soon stopped dead she was not old enough to be vance's mother and assuredly she was not his wife his interest was more than merely piqued it was puzzled uncommonly what was the contrast that made the man seem beside her vile whence came too the impression that she exercised some strong authority though never directly exercised that held him at her mercy 
how did he guess that the man resented it yet did not dare oppose and that apparently acquiescing good-humouredly his will was deliberately held in abeyance and that he waited sulkily biding his time there was a furtiveness in every gesture and expression a hidden motive lurked in him unworthiness somewhere he was determined yet ashamed he watched her ceaselessly and with such uncanny closeness henriot imagined he divined all this he leaped to the guess that his expenses were being paid a good deal more was being paid besides she was a rich relation from whom he had expectations he was serving his seven years ashamed of his servitude ever calculating escape but perhaps no ordinary escape a faint shudder ran over him he drew in the reins of imagination of course the probabilities were that he was hopelessly astray one usually is on such occasions but this time it so happened he was singularly right before one thing only his ready invention stopped every time this vileness this notion of unworthiness in vance could not be negative merely a man with that face was no inactive weakling the motive he was at such pains to conceal betraying its existence by that very fact moved surely towards aggressive action disguised it never slept vance was sharply on the alert he had a plan deep out of sight and henrier remembered how the man's soft approach along the carpeted corridor had made him start he recalled the quasi-shock it gave him he thought again of the feeling of discomfort he had experienced next his eager fancy sought to plumb the business these two had together in egypt in the desert for the desert he felt convinced had brought them out but here though he constructed numerous explanations another barrier stopped him because he knew this woman was in touch with that aspect of ancient egypt he himself had ever sought in vain and not merely with stones the sand had buried so deep but with the meanings they once represented buried so utterly by the sands of later thought and here being ignorant he found no clue that could lead to any satisfactory result for he possessed no knowledge that might guide him he floundered until fate helped him and the instant fate helped him the warning and presentiment he had dismissed as fanciful became real again he hesitated caution acted he would think twice before taking steps to form acquaintance better not thought whispered better leave them alone this queer couple they're after things that won't do you any good this idea of mischief almost of danger in their purposes was oddly insistent for what could possibly convey it but while he hesitated fate who sent the warning pushed him at the same time into the circle of their lives at first tentatively he might still have escaped but soon urgently curiosity led him inexorably towards the end end of chapter three of sand